The following is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic Whittier events and gatherings, please visit mosaicwhittier.org. All right, good morning. So let's go ahead and go jump into the book of Joshua. So if you'll um, turn with me. I'm, and that is old school. I just went old school right there. Look up at the board. So we're continuing the series Spectacle, and as we, we talked about last week, we, um, we mentioned how easy it is to, uh, at times, not be overwhelmed or perhaps surprised by the things that God says. And I, I suggested last week that's possible that maybe we're not hearing anymore. Um, certainly some of the things that Abraham heard regarding um, sacrificing his son had to be a bit overwhelming. And uh, then we talked a bit more about what that, some of the lessons in that story could be. This morning, we're going to talk about a young man named Joshua. Well, yeah, he's a young man, younger, younger than me, so I guess that makes him younger. And, um, boy, that was really kind of dumb. He's younger than me, so I guess that makes him younger. <laughs> That's why I'm not a math major. And um, so this is the story of Joshua. How many of you, uh, uh, when you saw the Ten Commandments, you know who John Derrick is? Uh, anyway, so how many of you guys know who Bo Derrick is? Right, that, that, yeah, those of us who are over 40, you're just embarrassingly have to admit, yes, I know who that is. So he married Bo Derek, and, um, but uh, he played Joshua, and so it was kind of hard not to get this image of this amazing guy out of my mind. But let's go ahead and read the scriptures and see what they have to say. He said, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said, are, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So then Joshua fell face down uh, to the ground in reverence and asked, what message does my Lord have for his servant? He stopped here for a second. Just go back. You know, what's surprising to me about this is that uh, there wasn't this huge mystical moment. He just saw a guy, asked the question, and was ready to fight him. And uh, it wasn't until the person reveals his identity that Joshua understands whose presence he's in. And one of the first things that hits me about this is how often perhaps we miss uh, divine appointments where heaven and earth are inter interacting, intersecting, and we just blow by them because we're not dialed in and we're not asking questions. That, that's the other thing I, I was going to point out here is that often we're not we're not puzzled, we're, we're so consumed in inward thinking that we don't look at some kind of odd circumstances that come up. Like, you know, Moses in the burning bush. I don't see what that's all about. What's that about? You know? All right, and then let's go on. And so the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So now uh, he's going to tell us about the gates of Jericho, a very significant city. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Hold for a second. God is telling Joshua ahead of time that this is a done deal. You're going to take the city of Jericho, this particular battle. And if you can picture in your mind, if you can see a, a, a map of Israel, or perhaps if you just you can go to the back of your Bibles and see this, there's a, there's a river separating east and west Israel. In the scriptures, always, 
always. Water is not sacred or as it is in other important world religions. But water always tends to be a barrier between what God is going to do and what God wants to take his people. And so he, um, so perhaps Joshua is in a moment reflecting about this particular, like how am I going to take this city? The walls in this particular city probably would have been, um, which made it tougher, uh, uh, slanted, um, were thick, you know, and you have to understand, the people in Jericho probably didn't want to give up their city. You know, this was not going to be like, you know, please. You know, there was no negotiation. They had to fight it out. And even, that's the other point I want to point out here. Even though God had told Joshua, this is going to happen, it didn't mean it's not going to happen without your involvement, without your sweat, without your maybe slipping and falling, without maybe one or two guys and the soldiers of Israel dying. You're going to have to fight. But I'm telling you that you're going to win in the end. But you're going to have to fight. Let's go to the next one. So, here's the strategy. A little different. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets and ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast in the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout then the wall of the city will collapse, the army will go up, and everyone straight in. Hold for a second. Now, I'm just, I'm wondering when Joshua was taking down the notes for, oh, I'm going to get a battle plan from God. This is great, awesome. This is going to be, man, the sneak attack, the tunnels, something, you know, some kind of Israeli ninja thing going on. They're going to, I'm sorry, you know what it sounded like you said, and I'm sure I didn't hear correctly. You said we're supposed to just march around the city for, you know, with the, wearing our armor, but not really using it. Oh, that is what you said. Okay, great. Um, awesome. You're like, I'm going to sell this idea. And, and so then, but wait, on the seventh day, oh, okay, now on the seventh day, now, this is great. Now, now the strategy. Uh, I'm all ears. March around seven times and then have the priests, and you know, they don't, priests, kind of religious people, what are they going to do? They, uh, you know, like the, the chaplains, uh, they're going to fight. And uh, when they really blow the trumpets loud, then the walls will collapse. Really? Have you seen those walls, Lord? I'm not sure if you are aware of the strength and the power of those walls. Uh, Joshua, um, you know, I think when you read that story, doesn't it sound a bit, well, not going to put this, uh, uh, spectacular, and, you know, that would be kind of a crazy thing to see, but I want you to kind of feel what this might have been like. It's hot. Uh, You know, you can hear the crunch of gravel and stone as they're walking around. They're not saying anything. Now, if you're, uh, if you're in Jericho and you're looking down upon this, you're like, you know, you're just the tension of the arrows drawn, pulling it back. You know, like, are, 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 they, are they really just walking around? Like, watch, keep, keep watching. They're going to do something. This can't be what they're about. And then they walk around and they go home. What the heck was that all about? Stay up all night. Maybe it's a sneak attack later tonight. Yeah, watch for them. And they never came until the morning. In daylight, they showed up. You know, all right, here he goes, guys, now. Are they kidding me? What are they? No? 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 Are they going home again? Are you kidding me? What the heck? Then day seven, and, and you know, and, and then you had the presence of God in a very unique way in the, the Ark of the Covenant, that box 
maybe like one of these woofers here. By the way, if you want to feel the bass during the music, sit up here. Um, covered with gold, angels on top with the wings spread out to each other, the poles, and inside the box would have been the two tablets from Moses and uh, Aaron's stick, walking stick that had budded. And once again, if you had seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know what that box looked like. <laughs> Don't look inside, especially if you're a Nazi, because you melt. <laughs> just, just fair warning. But you know, what, what, how could Joshua have become that person that would believe that and to the point that he would actually do this? Now listen, you're thinking, well, if I had heard God tell me something, I would do it. And I'm going to suggest to you, no, that's not true. That is just not true. Because most of us often have to pretend not to hear from God. Most of us have to pretend that we don't know what to do. Often when I'm speaking to somebody and they want to share some issues that they're processing, there's almost like a one-word response I want to give to them. Like, you know, really? Come on, really? You're not really? Come on, really? You're not? This is, you know better than this. But I mean, I'll play along here for a while, but I think you really know better than this. So let me tell you a little bit about Joshua so you get a feel for what transformed this man to perhaps see if there is something that resonates with us in our own lives. First of all, where was he born? In Egypt. He was born a slave. That is all he knew. Captivity, uh, being oppressed, not having any kind of uh, free time of his own. His life was programmed from day one. No weekends off, no Sundays off. Day and night just working as a slave. No rights. None. Having to see his family or his sisters or his brothers or whoever else he was connected to be humiliated, be beaten, be taken advantage of. He was a slave. And so he was also part of the Exodus events. But for, for that to have happened, um, he would have to also have, uh, have heard of that there was a deliverer coming. Now, if you have lived your whole life as a slave, your grandparents were slaves, your parents were slaves, you're probably going to give birth to kids who are going to be slaves. Why would you believe in a deliverer? Why would you think there was even going to be a hope for anything to believe in? And yet, for some reason, Joshua did. Joshua had something beyond himself to hang on to. It wasn't just my circumstances. It was, I know there's something else. And if God is promising to deliver, as we heard from our past generation, I believe he's going to do this. Now, I want to point out a couple of things about this because I've talked to you in the past about extremes that we can fall into. Now, let me, you know, we, you can be a pattern of an extreme and never have any movement forward or break out of a dumb way or, har, uh, har, uh, harmful or hurtful or dark, damaging way of thinking. And you, you can do this in two different ways. Number one, you, you know, it's, uh, you're responsible for everything. You become a person where you own everything and everything's your fault. How many of you, when you were a kid, there was a part of you that thought, that either your parents, your coach, or God, or somebody else hated you. Or that you were not going to measure up. Because, you know, you're just an awful person. And um, so everything it was, was, was your fault. Everything becomes uh, based around you. It's, it's a strange, sort of sick, weird form of narcissism. And if you're a philosophy person, it's a sopalism, which existentials can fall into. Because, you know, the only thing you can really ever really know is just yourself. You can't even know anybody else, ultimately. And if that's true, then everything's you. Everything. And so you spend the rest of your life really just accepting that or maybe trying to control that, and you become your own savior. But the other, other extreme that's really just as harmful is this thing that um, 
gosh. You know, whenever I hear people speak about their gender issues or their ethnic issues or their, um, you know, I often think, especially if they're a follower of Jesus, how can this be your identifier? How is this this label that you're taking on? And I find myself at times, you know, um, like wanting to legitimize myself as a person to try to speak into that. Because the first pushback is always, well, you're a man. You don't get, that. You don't get me, I'm a woman. You're a man. Like, well, uh, yeah, I, that I get. I know I don't get women because I'm married. I understand that. But I'm also a human being like you are. And I know that you could spend your life thinking that you are the victim of your circumstances or your past. Now, you've heard me say that, you know, your past is not your future. Let me flip it and also say that your beginning as Joshua, as living as a slave, is also not your limit. It is not your limit. And until you believe that, you will always think that anything is out of your control. You can't change anything. You were born female. You were born gay. You were born this. You were born that. You were Hispanic. You're black. You're Asian. You're stuck with a certain pattern. And there's that ongoing joke in the back of your head, well, stereotypes are true for a reason. Right? And so my wife and I often find ourselves trapped trying to play. We don't want to play who had the hardest game, but we understand what it's like to be locked into a situation where you feel like you can't break out of it. And you can hang on to that thing. And here's the other thing I find that's... Uh, now tell me if this doesn't maybe speak to you or resonate with you. I often find that people who are stuck in this pattern, that because of their this, they will not allow, and it is a choice, for anyone to speak into their life that they don't already agree with. The shields go up like Star Trek. Shields up! <laughs> I'm giving it all she got. You know, I'm trying to do a skit. <laughs> because you don't want to hear it. Because you might be wrong. Now, I can tell you from personal experience, I don't like it when anybody calls me in my crap. I truly don't enjoy it until after. It's just like I've made the jokes about going to the dentist. I have no pleasure, none. I have to go at gunpoint or bleeding. And they do their thing, and it's like, this, this can't be healthy. And afterwards, oh, hey, that feels much better. Thank you. you know? Listen to this and make a note of it. Truth is your friend. And the truth that we need to hear is from the words of God himself. Now, if you can show me from the scripture that what you're doing and thinking aligns itself with the truth of God, I'm with you. Otherwise, it's a shield to protect yourself, and you become your own savior once again. In fact, you know what happens? Since unlike our other friends who own everything, you don't own anything, and the only thing you will do is try to get compensation for what was done to you. you got to make it right. See, Joshua could have, you know, well, no, he couldn't have been that guy. He wasn't Western. But this was a man who was born into a world of slavery and had no reason to think anything was going to change. 40, probably at the Exodus, saw Moses come, come on the scene, saw God move through Moses, followed Moses' direction at a very specific battle in Exodus 17, he joins Moses going up the hill to uh, collect these two tablets. 
And I point that out to say this, that one of the ways that you break out of perhaps thinking that your future and your life is limited is who you associate with and who you give your head and heart to. Um, I've told people that after um, experiencing Christ that maybe the most significant person that impacts your life and your world is probably your spouse. But if you're not married, it's going to be your friends that you let speak into your life and say, this is how you ought to live. Well, have you ever asked the question, where are they taking you? you know, um, the, the other day, I had a chance to catch up with an old friend. Though he's six months younger than me, he still considered him older than me. And then uh, uh, he reminded us about how at times, you know, God places you in situations that you, with people that you don't like as a picture of who you're becoming. And as I was sitting there thinking, man, I've worked for some jerky bosses. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that was me. Arrogant, dictatorial, fighting, wishing. How many of you remember that film, uh, There Will Be Blood? Yes? No? Just two of us? So Jeff, in that film here. <laughs> when Daniel Plainview is talking to his brother and he says, I have a sickness in me that I feel I don't win unless somebody else loses. I'm now thinking, oh my gosh, I totally get that. I don't mind fighting, but I want to make sure that you lose and lose publicly. And uh, so I just thought of different people that I've worked for. Like, man, that's... Think about that. Think, think of people that you don't like or you don't care for. And, and what's really odd, and I've, I've often thought of it in a different way, when people call out something, they're often calling out the thing they don't like about themselves. You've, you've, heard, you've seen this happen. The, the person who's, who's is dishonest assumes everybody's lying. The person who is sensual assumes everybody's kind of a lustful, jerky person. You follow? So, so, so Joshua associates with, with a guy like Moses who's on a journey to connect with God and lead others with him. He was one of the 12 spies that went into the land to scout it out and bring back some recon and intel. And then he was chosen by Moses publicly in uh, the earlier verse, chapter we're looking at, Deuteronomy. In, in Deuteronomy 31, so that publicly Moses passes on his authority, his leadership, his responsibility, all to Joshua. So one of the ways, first, I think one of the first things we can take away is, is to, you know, since you're not limited by your beginning, who you associate with is going to have a huge impact on where you end up. How about getting attached? Let's go to 2 Corinthians for just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. Catch that last part there. The, the, the tools, the weapons, the, the, the process, the, the, the thing that God does is effective to break out of those things that we think, we think are unhealthy in our lives, to demolish strongholds life-dominating habits, um, you know, just personality traits that you realize are dark, unhealthy, not good for you. And then finally, and so we, we can demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Can I suggest something to you? Tell me if you don't think this is true. Most of us really don't think. We, we have, you know, we don't think. We have, we have thoughts flying through our head, but we don't think. Like, oh, no, no. <laughs> have you ever just been aware of the stuff that's flying through your head? 
you know? And uh, my wife and I will often, we'll, we'll be driving or doing something, and then we pop up with like, and you know, storks love fish, by the way. Where the heck did that come from, honey? Well, I was thinking of shoes, and it reminded me of walking. And, and you, know, you, you, you trail back. <laughs> Have you ever done that? You're like, how did I get there? What happened? <laughs> Whoever's laughing, I'm going to take you with me to Saturday night at the improv, because I do my set up there. Look, you and I will always be shaped by our thought life, a, a, a large part of that. But a large part of that is also what's going in here, right? Who's, who's putting stuff in the head, right? That's why your friendships and people that you're allowing to mentor you, whether you call them a mentor or not, is crucial. Crucial. Um, even though you had been... Um, well, how can I put this? Even though Joshua was a slave... He attached himself to Moses. And sometimes, here's the other thing. People are, 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 you know, oh, you don't do this for me. You don't do that. You don't pick me. Dude, pick yourself, truly. Don't wait for someone to give you permission to do what's right. You don't have to wait for someone to pick you. Pick yourself. If there's a man or a woman that you feel like, man, I, if I could spend time with this person, maybe five minutes a week, an hour on the, something, you know what? Pick up the phone. Call them. There's this new thing. It's called the smartphones. It's awesome. Send a text for crying out loud. Call. Send an email. Let them know where you're at, what you want to do. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm processing. I got a guy. Doesn't that sound like I got a guy, right? I got a guy. I have a, I have a man that I connect with on a weekly basis. 15 years older than me. Why? Because he's further down the road than I am. And even if he wasn't older, he's just so much wiser than where I'm at that I, dude, I need to process. Let me bounce some things off of you. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I know. And here's the other part. He has permission to call me on my stuff. In fact, I want him to. My wife doesn't have that permission, but he does. <laughs> so I'm saying now again publicly, Lilia, keep it to yourself. <laughs> and consider this. Where that person is, that's where you're going. Do you really want to be the person that you're allowing to speak into your life? And guess what? Whoever's speaking in their life, they're speaking into yours also. Do you want that? You know, I want to be around a man who has fought a few battles, has a few scars, loves the Lord, knows the scripture, and is committed to following Christ and committed to my best interests as well. That his only agenda is, how can I help you become more like Jesus? Some of this, you know, and, and I have to think when uh, Moses tells Joshua, and I think about the years that they've spent together, and Joshua sees Moses, this guy, do amazing stuff. And, you know, it, you saw the movie, right? With Yul Brenner and Chuck and the frogs and the flame and the firstborn dying. And it was not some dramatic stuff. And then later, when there's a battle to be fought, Moses gives uh, Joshua some direction. Now, here's why I think in a way that Joshua could find direction to hear from God. Because he heard it from a person first. And Joshua takes the direction from Moses. It's a, it's a battle scene found in Exodus 17 to go fight an army. And this was the first time out. Now, what did Joshua know about fighting, really, in the end? And he beats these guys. Now, here's what's interesting to, to consider is that many times... Uh, this, this bonding moment that can happen between people when someone else joins you in your weirdness and says, I will help you fight this. 
But let me, here's what I'm thinking that needs to occur. People have sometimes asked, hey, how do you determine who to spend time with? Or, I, I'll give it to you. Three L's. You're learning. Uh, there's some light in you. Or I just plain love you. There, I've, I've had people that are getting nothing. They're not doing any kind of changes in their life. And they want to spend time, and we'll talk, and I see that they're struggling with it, they're, they're fighting with it, and they just, okay, but they're not making any real changes. There's other folks that seem to have, like, there's a, they're, they're horrible human beings. They're just, they're, they're low-functioning, like I was, like, some, like many of you were. And somebody decides, I see something that's, that's good in you that you don't even see yourself yet. And you begin to try to call it out of them. There's a little bit of light. There's some folks, they're not learning anything. There's no light in them whatsoever. You just love them. You're a mess. You make a mess. You're making a mess in my life. But I love you, and someone else did that for me. And so as I was loved by Christ, so I will love others. See, Moses was pouring out his life into someone else who wanted to hear it. And Joshua put himself in a place where he could receive it. It's powerful to read the scriptures. It's significant when we worship corporately. There's, a, there's huge advantages to being biblically literate. But I'm telling you, you need a friend. You need a small group. You need a community of people who will, will invest in you, care about you, pray for you. They know by your, by your physical appearance what you're going through. We do need each other. And often, the battles that we fight, you know, you think, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to be these amazing people just breaking through, doing amazing stuff. No, that's true, but it happens at times we win a battle by losing. Often what we, movement forward looks like losing because we acquiesce, because we forgive and choose not to get even, because we love somebody who hates us and calls us names. We love somebody who we've actually invested in but says, no, you don't care for me. It looks like losing like our Savior did when he won by losing and giving up his life for others. That's what fighting battles is like. If you think you're going to win every argument, you're going to just sail through life, okay, let me give you a help here. That is not going to happen. What's going to happen is at times you will submit your life to the scriptures and to the voice of God, and it will feel like you're losing, like you're losing your life and you're actually gaining for the first time. Get a name. So get free, get associated, and get a name. Let's go to Acts just for a moment. Joseph was a Levite, so he, was, he had a background, a heritage of a priesthood from Cyprus. And the apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Was, could you, I'm sorry, could you go back for a second? Uh, man, I love this because, okay, let's just consider the apostles. First of all, they were goofy guys, right? If you read their story, you read them, right? They were not always dialed in. And afterwards, they had this huge, uh, amazing connection moment, powerful with Jesus, their friend, their rabbi. Now they get it. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord who appears after uh, his execution, spends time with them, eats with them. So these guys... <laughs> Now, if this, isn't, if this isn't sarcastic, it's a great thing, right? So if Barnabas is not this downer guy, like, oh, here comes the son of encouragement, right? If, he, if they're truly giving him that nickname, 
That is huge. Have you ever wondered, because we do this, don't think that doesn't happen. We talk about each other behind each other's back. Sometimes it's like, oh, don't you like, don't you like Corey? Isn't Corey a great guy? I'm just giving you a story. Like it would, not, that would never happen. I'm, I know that. But, but that's the kind of stuff that goes on. That's what I mean by people talking about each other. We, we, we do, right? We say, hey, so-and-so is great. Don't you like so-and-so? Isn't so-and-so nice? My wife and I would do that. Don't you like so-and-so? Yeah, me too. They smell good also. Yeah. <laughs> I like what they wore today. Ever wonder what people think about you? I mean, they'll talk about you. Ever wonder what they think about you? Ever wonder why you don't get promoted at work? Have you ever wondered why perhaps God doesn't seem to open the doors of uh, work for you? Have you ever wondered why perhaps things don't seem to work out in a, a certain relationship or relationships? See, the thing is, is that we kind of do know each other. And we've given each other names. This guy, for the way he lived his life and how he called out the best in other people, and even when they totally messed themselves and were not, and especially, he was the guy, he was the guy that looked and saw people on the outside and brought them in. By the way, who did he do this for most significantly? Okay, you're thinking of Paul, but actually, I'm going to say it's Mark. Because Paul kicked Mark out. That's got to hurt. Barnabas invests in the life of Paul, and you and I are here because of that investment. You and I are here because of the life of Joseph. And by the way, this guy, you would never know who this man is. Everybody knows Paul. Even if you take a Western Civ class at college or university, you're going to hear about Paul. Change the course of history. In fact, the fact that he turned left instead of right, we're, we're followers of Jesus. Our, our, our Western civilization has been impacted by, this, by that man. Now that man, Paul, wrote 1 Corinthians 13, right? That, that, actually, that, you, you could say yes, because that's true. One of my favorite verses out of that, because everybody reads 1 Corinthians 13 at a wedding, and it's so romantic and warm. Oh, yes, love you, love you. Then a month later, they're choking each other out, you know. First <laughs> Corinthians 13, 7, that's what love is all about. How love never fails. That's why I say that. Always perseveres, always trusts, always hopes. First Corinthians 13, 7 is the heavy lifting of love. I'm convinced Paul wrote that not because he understood it, but because he saw it in Joseph who invested in a life of a young man who was kicked out by Paul, you might say. And Joseph travels and spends time with Mark, and they go into obscurity. And you never hear Joseph or Barnabas ever again. But he invests in a man named Mark that becomes important to Paul. What's your name? You always got to be that guy that's got to tell the joke. Don't do that. That's my job. See, I just did it there. <laughs> do, you get to be the, do you always have to be the guy that knows everything? The woman that has the spiritual lines up for everything? I, I, I got, that is so annoying. Stop doing that. Get a life, really. You know, get a hobby. 
Joshua, that was not his real name. It was Oshea, which means help. Now, I don't know if that's pathetic or encouraging. Hi, my name is Help. Help? Is help here? Yes, yes I am, as a matter of fact. You know. <laughs> Big old H. Or if it's like he needed help. Like that, their pair, like, oh, that kid needs help. Let's just call him that so, so people will know that he needs help. <laughs> but Joshua, Moses, the significant man in his life, renamed him Jehovah is help. God is help. And that became the key to Joshua's life. It defined him and defined his work. Now, let me ask you a question. If you don't have a specific name that you, perhaps you feel like this is the name, do you have a specific theme for your life? I'll tell you mine. It's trying to love other people. And by the way, I know if you know me, I've totally blown it. I get that. This is why you need to be the theme of your life being forgiving Octavio, okay? Because <laughs> when I met Jesus, I felt I had been loved for the first time. I told you my parents were exorcists, right? That's a secret I don't like to share a lot. They were exorcists. They used to always beat the hell out of me. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. And, you know, when, when your parents beat you on a regular basis, you have to think, man, I must be something awful. Because if my family doesn't like me, if this is what they do to me, I must be something horrible. And then I met Christ. And that colors everything I do. I'm convinced that, that if I give others what I've been given, they'll be better off. What are you giving people? What are you making people? What's your name? What's your theme? How is it defining you? What do you define as? How do people define you? If, if you wish to break down walls, strongholds that are keeping you from, you see it, you see what your life can be. Get free from thinking your past is your future. Get associated, get connected to somebody, a man or a woman who's healthy, loves Christ, loves the scriptures, loves you enough to tell you you're full of it at times and not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then earn the right to get a good name. Maybe you'll be the, you know, the encouraging person or the, the generous person. You'll be that one that's always helpful, always serving person. But get a good name and allow it to be the name that God gives you, a theme for your life that colors you and who you are. And you'll be a spectacle for all of us. Father, thank you for being a good God who loves us. And I pray, I pray, Father, that you will cause us to be men and women who will fall in love with your son, Jesus. Our, our life, our hope, our beginning and our ending. Help us, Father, at times to put down and put aside and be willing even to give up any, any precious little thing that, it, that keeps us from you, our a, a talent, a gift, our, 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 even our theologies, our, our strategies, our plans. God, help us to be men and women who are so in love with Christ that that defines us, that we're known as followers of Jesus, not our political affiliation, not, not a gender, not, a, not an ethnic background, but we are followers of Jesus. 
Help us be those men and women, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Mosaic Whittier. For more information on getting connected with the Mosaic Whittier community, please visit mosaicwhittier.org.